told Whitney I wanted to be like Roy when I grew up. But I just realized that's not going to be possible. Um, it was a phenomenal, a phenomenal time at New Room, and uh, God was definitely moving uh, in some amazing ways. And, and I'm going to be honest with you. I saw God moving in some ways that I know for a fact God wants to move here. Um, just seeing everything that has transpired over the last year in our congregation and for our church, we are, we are at a place where we have a responsibility and we have a choice to make uh, to allow God to do amazing things. But it's going to be up to us. It's going to be up to us responding uh, much like the way that Roy did, with enthusiasm and excitement about what God can do if we just let him have control. Um, before we open God's word, as always, I want you to, to pray with me. And I want to share with you, before we do that, why, uh, why I pray so much throughout the service. This came up when our group was meeting afterwards, and Roy said, I got to ask. He said, because I ain't never seen this before. Why do you pray so much on a Sunday morning? said, you pray when we start. You pray before the offering. Sometimes you pray for something else, and then you always pray before you read the Bible. Why do you pray so much? And I said, Roy, honestly, I pray that much because I realize just how unqualified I am to talk about the things we're talking about. You see, this is not just Sunday morning church. This is not just 10 o'clock on a Sunday morning. This is people believing in something that Jesus Christ has done, worshiping the God that we claim created all things. That's a big deal. And for us to be gathered together under a banner that's not our own, saying that we believe it and that we want other people to hear it, that's a big deal. And the words of this book are, are, are important things. They're not just things that your parents or your grandparents taught you when you were younger, and they're good to pull out in tough seasons of life, and they're good to remember to keep you from getting in trouble with the police. We've got one here this morning for our own protection. Um, <laughs> But they're here to give you life beyond the ability of death to control. We know that death comes to everybody in, in this physical world, but these words give us life for eternity. And that's something that is so far beyond our comprehension. That's a big thing for little old Matt to try and explain. And so I pray so much because I want the Holy Spirit to remain in control and sometimes overshadow my inability to speak well. Uh, and to speak fully and explain what needs to be said. So let's go uh, to God now and let's pray uh, before we open his word. Father God, thank you for the testimony of Roy this morning. God, thank you for the testimony of all of us who are gathered here who have a story of the moment when they met Jesus Christ and they realized that there was more to life than what they had been living. And God, I thank you for the times when that faith has played a role in their decisions, has played a role in their identity, has played a significant role in who they are to the world around them. God, we thank you that we get to be here this morning and we get to be gathered together, not because of what we have done, but because of what Jesus Christ has done for us. We thank you for his blood that was shed for each one of us. That he took our, our place and he took our sin and he took our brokenness and he took our being lost. And God, he brought us to you. That he rescued us from being apart from our creator. The one who would breathe life into our lungs, would give us a purpose, would number our days. 
but would fashion us for eternity. God, this morning as we open your word, open our hearts, may your spirit overshadow our inabilities to communicate, to comprehend, to understand. May we do all of this through the power of your Holy Spirit that is here and that is with each one of us. And we pray this. Holy Papa, guide us in the way that leads to everlasting life. Amen. Amen. So we're in Romans chapter 10 again. And I told you last week I spoke for 30 minutes and I didn't get to the point I wanted to make. Uh, And this week as I was reading back through this chapter, I realized that when we break it down as we do every Sunday to every Sunday, it loses some of the flavor that it has when it's read all together. Uh, and it's funny that I, I was thinking that, uh, and then I got a video from somebody that showed a, a church happening in India um, today. It was, a, it was a live video that they got to experience earlier while we were still asleep. Uh, and it was a guy on a motorcycle, and he just stopped, and he got out his Bible, and there was a group of about 100 people on the side of the road, and he stopped, and he opened his Bible, and he just started reading. And he just started talking to him. He just started answering questions. Before you knew it, they were having church on the side of the road in the gutter. And so I was thinking that we have to break this book down or else we would be here all Sunday and y'all just aren't used to that. Y'all wouldn't, y'all wouldn't be able to handle that. And I would, I would get tired. One donut doesn't go far on a Sunday morning. But what we are, we're seeing Paul do is Paul is talking to a group of believers just like you and I, and he's trying to warn them of not letting this response to God or this response to Jesus Christ become cultural or to become casual or to become something of your life that is expected because of who your grandparents are or because you live in the Bible Belt. And so Paul is writing to people from different backgrounds and he's writing uh, from his own perspective and his own experience all of the things that he sees happening in the life of the church. And he uses the example of his own Jewish background to explain the importance of making sure that a connection with God That a connection with Jesus Christ is something that each one of them, and so therefore each one of us, takes extremely serious beyond what our neighbor expects, beyond what our, our church group expects. He said there's a deeper level by which you need to respond to Jesus Christ. If you'll remember when he was talking about the Jewish people. He said they were very serious about their religion, but yet they refused to walk with God. That when God would reveal something to them that they needed to get rid of, they refused to allow God to work. That when God showed them a path that they were supposed to take that might require something of them, they refused to walk with God. So they went to church and they tried to be good people But he was trying to get the Roman church, the new believers, to understand that what Jesus Christ accomplished on the cross was something so much more than 45 minutes of your Sunday. Was worth so much more than just your spare time or your free weekend. And last week, we got through three verses. And so I want to read those passages to you again, and I know that we don't have as much time this Sunday, but 
Um, I'm in charge and you do whatever I say. So uh, Romans chapter 10, we're going to start in verse 1. It says, Dear brothers and sisters, the longing of my heart and my prayer to God is for the people of Israel to be saved. I know what enthusiasm they have for God, but it is misdirected zeal, for they don't understand God's way of making people right with himself. They refuse to accept God's way, and they cling to their own way of getting right with God by trying to keep the law. But Christ has already accomplished the purpose for which the law was given, and as a result, all who believe in him are made right with God. For Moses wrote that the law's way of making a person right with God requires obedience to all of its commands. But faith's way of getting right with God says, Don't say in your heart who will go to heaven to bring Christ down to earth. And don't say who will go to the place of the dead to bring Christ back to life again. In fact, it says that this message is already close at hand. It is on your lips and it is in your heart. And that is the message and the very message about the faith that we preach. If you openly declare that Jesus Christ is Lord, and if you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved, for it is by believing in your heart that you are made right with God, and it is by declaring your faith that you are saved. As the scriptures tell us, anyone who trusts in him will never be disgraced. Jew and Gentile, they're all the same in this respect. They have the same Lord who gives generously to all who call on him, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. I'm going to... choke for a second. I'm going to stop right there because I I, I want us to go back and I want us to listen to what Paul said in verse 4. Remember, he's talking to the church people. He's not talking to the lost people. He didn't wheel up on his motorcycle and, and talk to just the group of people that were there in captive. He's talking to the people that are in church on Sundays, the people that talk about Jesus when somebody asks them what they believe. But this is what he says, Christ has already accomplished the purpose for which the law was, the, was given. And as a result, all who believe in him are made right with God. You say, Matt, that's a pretty standard Sunday school answer. We all say that. We all say that. Paul knew that that was being said, but what he is trying to get the people to do is to believe it. Because he was looking back at his Jewish family and friends, the people that he had known and who had raised him up. And he knew the things that they said about God, that, Hero Israel, the Lord is God, the Lord is one. And they knew, he knew that they would proclaim God as king, but yet they did not live as though God was the one who was in charge of their life. So Paul is reminding the church people, and sometimes we need to be reminded of this simple fact, that a perfect sacrifice, the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, bought salvation for everyone. For everyone, Christ died for everyone on this earth so that all who would believe could believe and experience and experience eternity for the righteousness of God and that anyone who could believe could walk with God. That's a term that most of us put up here on a shelf of hoping like an athlete says, one day I'm going to make it to college, or one day I'm going to make it to the Olympics. We put God, walking with God up here, is something only the most pious Christians do. As Roy said, the speakers at the conference this week, when you hear them talk about God, you're like, man, I want to be on that level. I want to be that good about talking about my faith. But Paul's reminding the church people here, and we're reminded when we read it, that Jesus Christ died so that people could walk with God immediately. 
There's no Christ died, then you got to go through 14 years of Sunday school, and then you have to make sure that you don't have a prison record by the time you're 28. And then you got to have a good 401k and a good established Sunday morning suit and, and things to wear before you can walk with God. And you don't just walk with God after you die and you go to heaven and your people are sad and they're, they're saying, well, at least he's with God now. No, Paul's saying you get to walk with God the moment that you believe in your heart and you confess with your mouth. So Paul is asking the church people, do you truly believe the things that you are saying? He said that's an important thing to say one thing and then to believe it. So walking with God is receiving the Holy Spirit, the one who gave the disciples uh, the tongues of flame, the one who uh, allowed Moses to do what he did, the one who allowed the disciples to go and to give their lives for the sake of the gospel. The Holy Spirit, the one who reveals the wisdom of God's mysteries. That's why when we read this book one time and we go, that makes no sense. And then we pray over it and we read on it a little bit more and we do the important task of reading what was before it and what came after it. And we go, oh, now I see. Now I understand that it was critical that Moses and the children of Israel walked across the Red Sea, not so that they could get away from Pharaoh, but so that they could experience just how much God provides for those that he loves. That there would be dry ground. The Holy Spirit walking with God so that we have the power to live and to reason differently than the world. When the world says, this is what you should do, and God says, actually, that's going to lead you to death. That's only something that the Holy Spirit does. And the world says, it's what? It says it's foolish. Walking with God is gaining an eternal perspective over a limited one. We've talked about that several times. It's really hard to consider eternity in the middle of some of our situations. But in the long run, if you look at it, 90 years, 100 years in light of eternity is really kind of a short time, isn't it? These things that we consider great devastating moments or, or things in our lives, in fact, in light of eternity, could, could be compared to maybe a small splinter, as Paul said earlier in this book, not even compared. So do you see the, the difference between saying we believe something and then truly believing something. Walking with God versus a statement. One will produce actions where one just really just stays talk. So for the Jewish people, they were uh, unwilling to accept what Christ had accomplished. And we know that as pride. They were too prideful in who they were as a people. We are God's chosen people. So therefore, we already have the right way. We are church people. So therefore, we already know the correct way. Do you see the correlations here? But Paul says that it was their pride that kept them from experiencing God. And the reality of it is, is for many of us, it's our pride that keeps us from experiencing Jesus. Oh, I, I can't. I can't open up about that. People think I'm a good person. I'm a pillar of the church. If I go up there and open up to Jesus about that, I'll be shamed. And so the Jewish people established these rules and they worked overtime. They actually added on top of what God gave them. They worked overtime to create a way so that they could measure their righteousness and they could hold each other accountable. We do that in the church, don't we? And because of that, we, we miss God. 
Tony Evans used this example, and I thought it was great. He said, in the game of basketball, one of the worst shots you can take is when you shoot the ball and you miss everything that has to do with making a point. You miss the goal, you miss the net, you miss the backboard. That's known as an air ball. If you make an air ball in a game, get ready. You finna get all the jeers, all the laughs, all the comments. I know I've been there, I've experienced that. Both sides, sorry. But he said, the Jewish people and a lot of people in the church have a shot in faith much like that, except for instead of being the inexperienced person out there just throwing the ball at the hoop, at the hoop they're the athlete that has put in hours upon hours upon hours practicing basketball. And when it's time to shoot the ball, they shoot the ball and it hits the rim and it rolls around and then it rolls out. You see, one doesn't look like an athlete and the other one looks like an athlete. They look the part, you know, they got the build, they got the the uniform and all that on. Uh, They look like they should know what they're doing. But what happens? They both miss the point. Sometimes we as Christians in the church, we do a good job of wearing the uniform, of being at all the, the team meetings, but we're still missing the shot. Because we are unwilling to lay down our pride and to not worry about being a church person and experience Jesus Christ. So Paul says for the Jewish people, that's what happened. And it it says it broke his heart. And he says this message is close at hand. It's on your lips and it's in your heart. And he said this message is the very one about faith that we preach. Listen to these verses 9 and 10. If you want to memorize something worth, worth your time this week, this is it. Romans 10, 9 and 10. If you openly declare that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is through believing in your heart that you are made right with God. And it was by declaring your faith that you are saved And anyone who trusts in him will never be disgraced. All are the same in this respect. They have one Lord who gives generously to all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Is that the gospel that your life preaches? Is that the gospel that your life believes? It doesn't say all that have perfect attendance in Sunday school. Thank goodness because we'd be in trouble. It doesn't say all who make sure that they measure the words carefully so that people will know that they're church people. No, it says those who believe and those who confess. It didn't say all those who get a seminary degree. It didn't say all those who can faithfully exegete this passage of Scripture. It says all those who believe and confess will be saved, and then they will not be disgraced. So is that what you believe And you confess this morning? And then what is the message of Jesus that your life preaches? Does it say you got to look like me? You got to act like me? You got to fit into my club? Or does it say that Jesus died for all? So that none would be disgraced if they would believe and confess. 
what do I have to do to come to your church? You got to show up. You can show up early if you want to. We have donuts. You can show up too early. There's not going to be anybody, but you can hang out till the donuts get there. Well, what do I have to wear? Whatever you want to. Just make sure you're not going to get arrested. That's it. That should be the only standard we have. Well, what do I need to know? That Jesus loves you. That Jesus Christ died for you. Well, well, I have this going on in my life, or I did this. We'll work on that later. We'll work on that later. Let's get you hooked up with Jesus. So Paul is reminding a group of, of church people here that they have a job. They have something that they are called to do more than just looking the part and saying the right words. And so my challenge for you is this, as when First United Methodist Church, are you going to go to work this week? The next part of this chapter is very, very critical because Paul kind of puts that rubber to the road. And he asks a question like, how will they hear unless somebody goes? How will they know unless somebody tells them? We have a community of people that need to hear. We just so happen to have a room full of people that have confessed. Hopefully, you believe. Now it's time for you to go. And you're going as more than, hey, just come listen to Matt preach. So let me tell you about Jesus Christ. Let me tell you what Jesus Christ did for me. And that's all it takes. One confession real quick and then we'll go. So I uh, made it a point to stick with Joey and Roy this week to keep them out of trouble. <laughs> honestly. And so we went and we were hanging out. And uh, then five minutes of us being there, Roy was telling the, the wait staff about Jesus. And for 25 minutes, we talked about Jesus. And the night before we left, Roy and Joey engaged this couple. I'm not going to talk too much about it because that's, they want to share about that. They engaged this couple about Jesus. And Ten minutes into it, it was, uh, you know you're not going to save us, right? We, want to, we just want to put that out there in the open. And the funny thing is, is we hadn't said anything about come, be like us, follow us to the church. <laughs> we didn't say anything like that. They just asked why we were there and we said, hey, we're at a conference this week. But they wanted to make sure we weren't going to save them. And by the end of that conversation, we tell you, God was working in their lives. And that was from two guys I was going to try and keep out of trouble. <laughs> so I, I want you to come next week, and I want you to hear uh, what the rest of that group has to say. Uh, because I think what God was doing in their lives, God is wanting to do in this church. Uh, we get an opportunity, y'all. We have been covered up with opportunities over the last year to be the church that Jesus Christ wants to see. Let's take advantage of that. Would you pray with me now? Father God, we thank you for your word. God, thank you for Paul. Um, God, thank you for these passages of scripture that we can wrestle with uh, and we can spend weeks on discovering your goodness and your love. God, we thank you for your Holy Spirit that walks with us, that empowers us, that reminds us of your presence and your call on our lives. God, help us to be the church this week, not the 
Oh, we're good people and we behave and we look the part in the Bible Belt of Wynn, Arkansas. But God, we go out and we proclaim the goodness of our God. We proclaim the work of Jesus Christ who called us to salvation. We proclaim the power of the Holy Spirit to change lives and to restore and redeem. God, let us be a church who goes, not only in intention, but on purpose, with fruit, with results, by trusting in you and believing in you, and knowing that if you have called us to go, you have equipped us to go. You've given us what we need to be your hands and feet in our community. And we pray all this in the name of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen.